The following program is intended to provide general information only, and its host, Tim Decker, recommends that you always seek competent professional guidance for financial, legal, and tax advice, as everyone's specific needs are unique. WHP Talk Radio 580 now presents Financial Freedom with Tim Decker from ISI Financial Group. A full hour of sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. Talking about freedom. Talking about freedom. I will fight for the right to live in freedom. This is your Financial Show Central PA, Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio 580. Well, good morning, everyone. Tim Decker here with you. Financial Freedom. Hope this finds you well and uh, as we are... Continuing to roll into the very special season of Christmas and other holidays. I want to be sure and thank you for uh, making us part of your Saturday morning. Let me give you the phone number. Um, If you have anything that you'd like to discuss with me, you have any questions about your IRAs, Roth IRAs, your current investments, perhaps something that you're considering investing in, questions about insurance, annuities, mutual funds, ETFs, 401ks, anything, if it's important to you and your finances, it's important to me. You can reach me here uh, by dialing in at 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580. And anywhere else, toll free, it's 800-724-5801. Again, that's 800-724-5801. 5801. All we need when you call in is your first name and where you're calling from and just a little bit about what's the topic that you'd like to discuss. And my producer, JC, will cue you up in the order of uh, when we received your call. And uh, again, if you have something that you want to be certain that we talk about, the sooner you dial in, the greater the likelihood you and I will be able to chat. Also, If you absolutely are radio shy, which I can promise you there's no need to be, but if you are radio shy, we will allow you to email me here live. And uh, depending upon your question and the topic and time, obviously, um, I can uh, offer you some insight uh, via an email if you have anything that you'd like to ask me. So if you want to ask me anything via email, although I encourage you to call because I would love to converse with you, but uh, I'd rather help you than not help you at all. So if it means emailing me, you can email me at ffradio at comcast.net. That's FF as in Financial Freedom Radio. So ffradio at comcast.net. One more time, that's ffradio at comcast.net. Well, a lot going on in the financial markets. Did you know that the S&P 500 index, when you account for the dividends being reinvested, has been up 13 months in a row? 
The last time that we have seen a streak of this many months in a row for the S&P 500 index with dividends reinvested, you have to go back to like 1959, I believe. And at that time, I was up for like 15 months. So we have been on a tear. Unfortunately, what has happened does not necessarily mean it will continue, although it may continue to happen. And one of the things we're going to talk about that I will continue to harp on this theme, on this program, and we're going to talk about it this morning, has to do with are you prepared for the inevitable market decline whenever it takes place it may not it may take place next week it may take place next month or it may not take place for five years no one knows when but what we do know is the time to be prepared is now if you want to have the confidence and the certainty that you're going to be able to not only weather the next market decline, but ideally capitalize on it, there are some things that you need to make sure of that you know about your portfolio now. So we're going to talk about what some of the, those things are. Also, um, I'm going to share with you... <clears throat> Or, or actually discuss the specific topic of past performance. And I'm going to give you a little quiz this morning. In fact, you know what, let me throw it out now so you can think about this before we take our first break here in a couple of minutes. Here's the question. If you have a choice between investing in a mutual fund that has had stellar performance over the last five or ten years and the expense ratio in that fund let's say is 66 basis points and remember a basis point is one hundredth of one percent or one percent equals one hundred basis points. So 50 basis points would be a half a percent. So let's say that you are given the option of investing in a mutual fund that has been performing above average, has been performing and beating the S&P 500 index. Let's say it's a large cap U.S. stock fund and it has an expense ratio of 66 basis points. So that's an annual expense, a little bit more than a half a percent a year. Or your other option is to invest in a low-cost, let's say, low-cost Vanguard S&P 500 index fund where the expense ratio, let's say, is like eight basis points. So the actively managed fund that has been performing extremely well over the last five or ten five and ten years has an expense ratio of 66 basis points again that's a little bit more than a half a percent or you have the option of a low-cost S&P 500 index fund which over the same five and ten year time period has been beaten 
by this actively managed fund, but this S&P 500 index fund has an expense ratio, let's say, of eight basis points. And you have money that you need to invest right now, and these are your only two options. Which fund would you choose and why? If you have an answer and you have some comments on that, give me a call. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. And then, obviously, ultimately, I'm going to share with you what my recommendation would be and why. So, again, if you have anything that you'd like to ask of me, if you'd like to offer some comments on what I just asked you, which fund would you choose and why? Or anything else that you'd like to ask of me, you can reach me here, 717-540-0580. Again, that's 717-540-0580. Anywhere else, toll free, it's 800-724-5801. Or you can email me with any question or comments you have via ffradio at comcast.net. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Financial Show Central PA Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio 580. Welcome back. Tim Decker here with you again. Thank you for making us part of your Saturday morning. It's my honor and it's my privilege. Let's go right to the phones. We have Joyce from Palmyra. Good morning, Joyce. How are you and how may I help you? JC, do we have Joyce? Maybe having some technical difficulties. We will bring Joyce back up once JC. Hello. Okay. Jo- Hi, Joyce. Are you there? Yes, I am. Hello. How may I help you? Hi there. Okay. I can hear you. Okay. I have a question about a mutual fund. I don't know whether it's an index fund or a managed fund, but it's a mutual fund of dividend stocks. And I was wondering if you know about that and if that would be a good fund to get if you want some income. Okay. Dividends definitely can make sense as part of your overall portfolio, but whether or not a fund that focuses just on dividends as its primary strategy is a good way to invest, that's a completely different discussion. Remember, whenever companies or funds pay out dividends, that's always then deducted and reflected in the share price. So the best way to think about taking income is to build a portfolio of different types of mutual funds. And, yes, I would highly recommend that you stick with low-cost index funds, but if you will build a portfolio that's diversified amongst different types of asset classes. Some of those may obviously include funds that pay some dividends. What you really want to look at when you're putting together a withdrawal strategy is a total return approach. And what I mean by that is you want to look at 
the combination of not only dividends, but also any capital gains. Think of it this Think of it like like this. If you have a well in your backyard, your number one concern is obviously that you don't run out of water. But you don't care how much of that water in that well is as a result of rain or snow or spring water or whatever. All you care is that there is water in your well. Your portfolio is the same way. So whether you have growth as a result of the dividends reinvested or capital gains or um, a combination of the two, you want to come up with a withdrawal strategy that's based on all of that combined and not just dividends alone. So in summary, having a fund that does focus on dividends can be a good option as part of your overall portfolio, but I would not recommend that you invest solely in something strictly because of the dividends. Does that make sense? It, it certainly does, and I, I just want to answer your question, too. I okay. would always take the index fund, and the reason is they never do worse than the market. So that's my reasoning. I like your reasoning, and stay tuned because I'll offer some follow-up comments, but I like where your head is. Okay, and thanks for your answer to my question. You are so welcome, Joyce. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, let's go to Skip from Harrisburg. Hi, Skip. How are you, sir? Maybe Skip isn't there anymore. Um, how about Jim from Littlestown? JC, do we have Skip or Jim? Well, Hello. let me know. Hello. Hello. Is this Skip? Yes. I'm sorry. We're having some problems no. with the with the phones in here. How can I help you, Skip? Okay. I I think most people uh, value your opinion, and there's a lot of uh, talk going on, and a lot of younger people hustling to get in with this bitcoins. And I would just like you maybe to make a couple comments on it in regard to uh, the, the, the pitfalls and the possible potential for loss. Uh, and I think, again, that would be something that people would have highly uh, respect your opinion. So I'm going to uh, listen, hang up and listen, and just see what you have to say about Bitcoins. All right, Skip. Thanks a lot. Thank you for your call. Absolutely. Bitcoin. Well, have you ever heard of tulip bulbs? You go back in the 1600s, 1700s, we had at that time the first major bubble of all times, and it was nothing more than tulip bulbs. People were buying bulbs of tulip flowers and then selling them and buying them, and the price kept going higher and higher and higher and higher. But what intrinsic value do, to, do tulip bulbs have? Well, the intrinsic value is obviously they can grow and become quite beautiful to look at. But ultimately, the worth of those were determined by everybody buying them, everybody 
wanting them. And it's very similar to gold. Oh, and by the way, you know how that tulip story ended. It was one of the biggest bubbles that burst, and many, many, many individuals lost lots of money. When you think about investing, the first thing that you want to ask yourself is what is the intrinsic value of what you are investing in. When you invest, as an example, in a company stock, you are investing in something that you're hoping will continue to grow. It has earnings. It can pay some dividends. It can grow organically within. And as it grows and it has earnings and it has profits, the price of your stock will reflect that. But the point is it has intrinsic value. There, There is something that you're paying for, and essentially what you're paying for is the future earnings and profits of the company. When you buy a bar of gold, what's the intrinsic value in that? What's it worth? Well, you can't eat it. You can't drink it. It's not going to keep you warm. So what is, what's the value of it? Well, it's dependent upon what somebody else is willing to pay you for it. Thus, and now we have all over the news, as Skip was talking about, the hottest new thing is Bitcoin. Well, what is Bitcoin's intrinsic value? Well, first of all, what is Bitcoin? Bitcoin is nothing more than a representation of currency. It's digital currency. And it came about as a result of the financial crisis that took place in 2008 and a lot of fear-mongering as a result of that led to a mistrust in the financial systems throughout the world. So there was an opportunity opportunity some people jumped on it and now we have this thing called Bitcoin this thing called Bitcoin over the last five or six years has gone up in price and about five times it has crashed 80% recently it's surged and then recently it dropped sharply again. So what's the intrinsic value of it? Does it earn anything in and of itself? Does it pay any dividends? The answer is no. So is it really an investment or is it a speculation? Is it like buying gold? which is the ultimate investment in fear because you're hoping based upon the greater fool's theory that somebody else is going to pay you more than what you paid for it. Well, as Buffett has said and John Bogle of Vanguard has said, and I totally agree, if you're going to put money into Bitcoin, do not consider it an investment because it, in, in and of itself it has no intrinsic value. Call it for what it is. You're gambling, you're speculating, 
that somebody else at some other point is going to be willing to pay you a higher price. So my answer, Skip, I personally will not put a penny into Bitcoin. I don't recommend anyone else does. If you're looking for a prudent way to invest, on the other hand, if you got money that you like taking to Atlantic City or the racetrack and you want to roll the dice and knowing in advance that you can lose your shirt and being willing to lose your shirt, then roll the dice. But within the spectrum of investing, I would highly recommend you stay away. So I hope that helps, and uh, that's my thoughts on Bitcoin. Okay, uh, JC, do we have Jim from Littlestown? I'm here. Can you hear me? Hi, Jim. How are you, sir? Thank you for your patience. Right. How may I help you, sir? I have a question about annuitizing a portion of the withdrawals from mandatory tax advantage plans. I hope to retire in two or three years. I'm married, and that's before my full Social Security age, and I would start taking withdrawals from the plans. I have 401A, 403B, IRA, all with Vanguard. And I know what mm -hmm. you think of uh, complicated investments like variable annuities. Vanguard says they can get you a very good fixed immediate annuities. Um, my, I guess my wife and I are just really wondering, how safe should we consider those kind of annuities? Okay. Um, and thank you for your comments about uh, the different types of annuities. And if I may, just for the benefit of everyone else, let me just explain uh, what the main differences are. There's essentially two categories of annuities. There are deferred annuities where essentially somebody puts money in now and defers taking money out of it into the future. That's what's called a deferred annuity. And within that, there's fixed deferred annuities, there's variable deferred annuities, and a combination of both. And th then the other main category is what's called an immediate annuity, where you take a lump sum, you turn it over to an insurance company, and essentially what you're buying is pension and you can continue to get that pension depending upon which options you take you can get that for life you can get that for life with a 10-year certain but there are different options and based upon your age and what and whichever option you, you take obviously that's going to dictate um, the the amount of money you will receive how to determine whether or not that might make sense uh, within the context of an immediate annuity, really is a, a scenario of needing to go through looking at your entire household worth of investments. How much do you have in liquid assets? What are you going to have in the way of inflation hedge? Because one of the, one of the downsides of an immediate annuity is most of them will not increase the amount that you receive for inflation. And remember, at a 3% inflation rate, which long, long term, that's about what inflation is averaged, at a 3% inflation rate in 24 years, a dollar is only worth 50 cents. So an immediate annuity can make sense for some people, but I would make sure that it that you look at it in conjunction with all of your other assets. Now, how safe is it? If your money is going to be turned over, 
knowing that you're never going to get that lump sum back if you buy an immediate annuity. It's only going to come back in the way of payments. You want to be darn certain that the insurance company is a very, very sound financial insurance company, especially if it's a lifetime annuity, because you're going to be relying upon that insurance company being business for the rest of your life. So make sure that the insurance company, ideally, if it's going to be a lifetime annuity, I would not look at any lifetime annuity if the insurance company is not rated at least A, preferably A-plus or A-plus-plus by AM Best. Now, what happens if the insurance company goes broke? Well, different states, as well as here in Pennsylvania, have a guaranteed insurance fund that insurance companies pay into, and the purpose of that is if an insurance company goes belly up, there are some monies there up to a certain amount that they can use to help bail them out and make the payments. But there are limits on that. Um, but historically, historically, if it's an A or A-plus insurance company, the likelihood of them having any major problems is minimal. It's possible, but it's very, very minimal. So I hope that helps you. Yes, sir. Thank you. It's given us something to think about. You're welcome. Take care. Bye. Okay, let's uh, take our next break, um, and let's go out to Michael Parks. Timmy, Merry Christmas. Uh, we are broadcasting live from uh, the closest thing to uh, Santa's Workshop, the North Pole, the Winter Wonderland. We are at Stauffer's of Kissel Hill, right off Lingleston Road, and uh, Stauffer's location near you. All these specials are good at the SKH stores near you. Uh, it's just incredible. Today is just business has picked up. The parking lot is full. We've got uh, parents and kids and people buying the Christmas trees and, and picking up festive decorations and greens, and there's just an incredible sale going on this weekend at SKH nearest you. Uh, three to four bloom point Z is $4.99, a dollar off. White pine roping, $5 off. Log box planters, these are really cute. These are really look good uh, on your front porch or front uh, lawn area. Christmas trees are on sale as low as $24.99. The lights are roping, and they've got this wonderful little area inside where they have some great apparel and unique gift ideas. And when you walk in the store at Stauffer's, it's honestly, the music's playing, and it's just so festive. We're going to be here until 11 o'clock today. Uh, we're giving you a chance to win some Dutch Wonderland tickets. We also have the new WHV 580 Rocks. You can pick up those and so much more. So stop by and see me and Dana. We're at Stauffer's at Kissel Hill on Lingolstown Road. I'm Michael Parks on WHV 580. Sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial freedom on WHP 580. Once again, here's Tim. Welcome back. Tim Decker with you. Second half of Financial Freedom, where we strive to be your trusted resource for financial truths. Before we go back to the phones, let me remind you, if you've not yet done so, take advantage of our free e-newsletter. If you go to our website and scroll down to the bottom right-hand corner, you can sign up for our free newsletter. It's called Insights and Education. All we need is one thing. We need your email address. That's it. We don't need anything else. Um, and you'll get a monthly video blog, as well as some articles from time to time that I write 
And just recently, uh, I wrote an article that came out in the Central Penn Business Journal this past week having to do with that study that I discussed with uh, all of you on the air uh, by Hendrik Bessenbinder from Arizona State University, the professor out there, having to do with trying to pick individual stocks and how, if you go back over the last 90-plus years up through 2015, less than 4%, less than 4% of all of the stocks that have been listed on U.S. stock exchanges, less than 4% account for the average annual returns of the market indexes, which means 96%, 96% of other individual stocks collectively did not even outperform treasury bills. So I wrote an excellent article on that, and uh, we're going to be sending that out probably here to everyone on our uh, email uh, newsletter list uh, within the next few weeks. So, again, if you go to our website, it's isifinancialgroup.com. That's isifinancialgroup.com. Sign up for our free e-newsletter, Insights and Education. Okay, let's go back to the phones. I believe we have John from Colonial Park. John, if you're still there, I appreciate your patience. Uh, uh, nice thing, my call, Tim. Uh, you are so I, welcome. I, I, I have a great question. I have an international retirement savings fund. My beginning balance was $9,872. They said I made 716 without making any contributions. Is that good or bad? How much How much did you start with? Uh, at the beginning of December 31st, 2016, mm -hmm. $9,872. Okay. And at the end, they said I, the, the, the dividends was $716. So the value has gone from 9800 and it's up about $700. Bucks, it's up to ten thousand five hundred eighty-eight. Okay, so yeah, it's roughly seven eight hundred bucks. So the return on that since December of two thousand sixteen—is that what you said? Yes, that's what it says. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's it's been a little bit less than a year, or almost a year. Um, and your returns on that are seven eight hundred bucks on. 9,000, so it's uh, obviously less than 10%. All I can t tell you is if you look at the international markets and you were, had you invested in a low-cost international index type of fund over the same time period, your returns would be over 20%. So relatively speaking, if that international fund that you are in has provided you a return of less than 10%, that is 50% to 60% less than what you would have earned if it would have been simply in a low-cost, good, broadly diversified international index fund throughout from December 2016 up through right now. So, okay, so here's my question, Tim. Okay. Here, here's my question. If if I can use this money to pay medical bills, would I be mm -hmm. better to do that or to pull it all out, 
put it for somebody else. Well, do, if you if you don't use this to pay medical bills, what would you use? Well, that's that's my problem. I I just got a a bill. Believe this or not, the the surgery I just had eighty six thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Okay. And thank God I had insurance because they wrote yeah. off a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But I still owe a, a lot of money. So okay. I'm trying to figure out, should I just contact them and pull that money out and pay that and go forward? Or or if I pull that out, if, if, if I pull that out and put it with you or somebody else, what, you understand? I'm, I'm confused. I understand what you're asking. I I will offer you this from a general standpoint only because to be able to give you specific advice, I would need to sit down with you and look at everything you have and know a lot more than what obviously I can get here uh, off the radio. Um, right. But, but generally speaking, based upon the limited amount of information that you've shared with me, if in, it, if indeed you are in an international fund, based upon what you shared with me relative to what you should have earned and could have earned in a low-cost international index type of fund, it sounds to me like the fund you're in is significantly... Sig- less. Yeah, yeah. It's significantly underperforming relative to its peers. So I would recommend you sit down with a fee-only advisor, pay them for an hour or two of their time, and have them help you look at everything, and then ultimately making the decision of whether or not that money should be taken out of there and whether you should use it to pay your bills or you should invest it elsewhere. That decision should always be made within the context of looking at everything that you have and not in isolation. But it sounds to me like you're in the wrong fund. So, thank, sir. Thank you. Yes, you are welcome, and I wish you the very best. I really do. All right, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Okay, we're going to go to our next break, and let's throw it out to my longtime friend, Mr. Michael Parks. Simple, straightforward advice and answers. Financial information you can trust. This is Financial Freedom with Tim Decker on WHP 580. This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP 580. Welcome back. Tim Decker here with you. Having been on the air throughout central Pennsylvania now over 25 years. Thank you for the honor and thank you for the privilege. And God willing, I will continue to be with you many, many more weeks to come. Okay, let's go back to the phone. I believe we have John from Hummelstown. Hi, John. How are you, sir? Hi, I'm good. Hey, that question you posed at the beginning of the program. Yes, sir. About a, could you just go over those details again to refresh the listeners and also to make sure I'm on track? Absolutely, and good idea. The question is, 
you're faced with a choice. You have two mutual funds to choose from, and you have money that you need to invest right now. And let's assume that your only two options are the following. The first option is a mutual fund that over the last five and ten years has performed extremely well and has actually beaten the majority of other mutual funds in the same category as well as an index fund in the same category. But the expenses on that fund are 66 basis points, which is a little bit more than a half a percent a year. So that's one option. The other option is you can invest in a low-cost S&P 500 index fund where the expense ratio is only 8 basis points. And remember, 100 basis points equals 1%, so 8 basis points is extremely, extremely inexpensive. So those are your t t two options. Which one would you choose and why? Okay, I would probably go with the low-cost index fund because that fund that you mentioned, first of all, is a category fund. And secondly, is it beating the market enough to offset the expense difference? And the other thing that concerns me about a managed mutual fund, especially today, are the embedded capital gains. I mm -hmm. bought a mutual fund, and at the end of the year, the mutual fund was lower than what I paid for it, and yet I had a capital gain uh, due to the fact that they had to sell stock. So, And that's always been my concern about mutual funds. How do you find out how much embedded uh, capital gains are in that fund? So okay, I would you... go with the index fund. Okay. Um, I agree with your conclusion, but let me just add a few comments to um, uh, round that out, if I may. Um, first of all, to answer what you asked, you can actually check with the mutual fund families, and they can give you a real good estimate and let you know when they will be distributing capital gains. So that information is available if you check with the mutual fund families. Um, so that's an easy way to get that answer. Um, as it pertains to choosing the more expensive actively managed mutual fund that has outperformed the index fund over the last five and ten years or to choose the lower cost index fund going forward, I would always, always, always recommend you choose the low cost index fund. And the reason for it is when you look at the research and you look at the cold-hearted, unemotional data, what you find is just because a fund or an investment manager has a performance track record over the last five or ten years that is above average, the persistency of that continuing to outperform going forward, and remember, you never get to purchase past performance. If you did, we would all be rich. All we have to do is go into database, go into Morningstar, look at what has performed well, and if what has performed well is going to continue to perform well, it'd be easy. An eight-year-old could do it. But what the data shows is the likelihood 
the statistically uh, uh, measured likelihood of what of a mutual fund that has performed very well over the last five, ten years, of that same fund and that manager continuing to outperform in the future, let's say over the next ten years, the likelihood of that happening statistically is less than what you would expect from a random flip of a coin. And what we do know is if you buy a low-cost index fund, mathematically, by simple arithmetic, because of their very, very low expenses, you know that you're going to consistently outperform and be above average relative to all of the actively expensive managers out there. So I like your conclusion, and I, I, I think you shared some excellent points, but I wanted to also add that as well. I hope and that helps. one thing that reinforces what you said, Peter Lynch in his book said his problem was when he was doing so well with the Fidelity Magellan Fund, people kept throwing so much money at him, he had a tough time finding a good place to invest it. Yep, yep. And, and um, you know, we, we still will never know, was Peter Lynch skilled or was it luck? Because if you think about it, if you think about it, if you have a room full of 100 individuals, and I do this at our workshops, if you give 100 individuals in, in the room a quarter and you ask them all to stand up and flip the coin and everybody that has heads remains standing and then you have them flip it again, and if you get heads, you remain standing and you keep going through that exercise, mathematically, you're going to have a handful of individuals that ended up getting heads like six or seven, eight times in a row. The question is, was it because they were skillful coin flippers or was it because it had to happen? And when you think about when Lynch was back there managing Magellan, there, you know, there were, you know, thousands of mutual fund managers out there by simple statistics there always is going to be a handful that have tremendous track records it has to take place bill miller same thing so i don't know about you but i don't have to rely on hope and speculation i would rather take the sure thing and capture the returns of the markets by using beautiful low-cost index funds. i agree but i still think peter lynch was good well you, you can think it stocks you can think it, and you might be right, but the main thing is we'll never know. I wish you well. Thank you for your call, and uh, thank everyone else that uh, called in. We had a nice show. Time went so fast, I didn't get to all the topics. Um, and I did get a couple emails um, that I did not get to as well because of the time. So tune in next week, and uh, we will pick right back up. I wish you well.